Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3 R, and this is a Friday Raid. Yes, my name's Jacob, and this is a Friday Raid, it being five o'clock on a Friday, and I just wanted to um, say thanks to James from In Your Face for another great show um, today. Um... Well, it's another week, eh, where it's getting harder and harder to tell what point of the continuum between, I guess, 1984 and Brave New World. We're all living in these days. Things just go faster and come come at you every second of the day. Look, before I go on, I just want to um, let people know that after being slack for most of my time here at 3CR, I'm finally getting my podcasting system up to date. So a Friday rave... Um, is available on um, podcast now um, via the 3CR website or your favourite podcast client. But anyway, we'll get into what's happening this week. You know, I, I want to start last with last week, where a rocket apparently, or maybe even allegedly, landed in Israel, fired from Gaza. Allegedly or apparently, no one was hurt, nothing was damaged, and neither Hamas nor Islamic Jihad or even the popular resistance committees, and I'm not quoting a Monty Python skit there, claimed responsibility for it. It sounds like bullshit to me. You know, nonetheless, the IDF retaliated by firing dozens of missiles and targets in Gaza in what they called retaliation. Now, just for a start, this has become so usual that hardly anything is said about it anymore. But surely firing dozens of rockets into the one of the most densely populated parts of the planet in retaliation is what's called collective punishment, and anywhere else in the world would be considered a war crime. But let's just leave that to one side for the moment. After all, Israel's treatment of Palestinians every day is a war crime. So why nitpick about this one incident, I guess? Anyway... Not to be outdone, or seem to be taking the selling. Um, now hang on, I'm not going to call them selling like the mainstream media does. The word selling conjures up images of World War One and World War Two era cells, buzz bombs and the like, and to some extent makes them sound less harmful than Hamas's rockets. But, you know, you need to understand that what the IDF actually use is state-of-the-art missiles like the Hellfire, etc., they're not shells. But again, let's leave aside the nitpicking over equivalence of weaponry. We all know what the, um, the discrepancy in weaponry is between Gaza and the IDF. So, not to be seen just taking the missile attacks lying down, as it were, Hamas lobbed a few rockets back over at Israel. Now, while this is all happening, Benjamin Netanyahu is over in the US 
and thanking Donald Trump for his statement that recognised Israeli control over the Golan Heights. Well, Israeli sovereignty, I think is the term to use. Contrary to the UN Security Council Resolution 497, by the way. But let's leave that aside for the moment. Anyhow, Netanyahu is over in the US on a campaign trip before the April 9th Israeli elections. You know, when yet another scandal breaks out over his acting as a middleman for Egypt to buy submarines and other naval ships, missile ships, from a German arms company. Now, as I'm in a magnanimous frame of mind and not dwelling on detail today, let's leave out the fact that the German company that Netanyahu is acting for is the very same company that built the infrastructure used in the Holocaust. Well, actually, uh, uh, what do you call a merging of two companies. It's called Seif and Krupp. During World War II, there were Seif and Industries and Krupp Industries. Um, and Seifen used to be owned by Fritz Seifen, you know, who became, came to be known as um, Hitler's angel. But as I said, let's leave all that aside for the moment. And, um, you know, no one's got a problem with the ebbs and flows of international capitalism, have they? Anyway, the Israeli police have been recommending that Benjamin Nahu be tried for his billions of shekels graft case from Seifen Krupp since last November. But now they've uncovered more details. It seems that he's a co-owner of a company called Graftech. Well, hang on, it's properly pronounced Graftech, but I reckon Graftech is more like the job. Now, this mob is a graphite electrodes company that supplies Sison Krupp. And the Israeli Attorney General's Department has just announced their intention to proceed with corruption charges against the Prime Minister. Now, I know that all sounds a tab complicated, so let me try again. Okay. Netanyahu was in the US campaigning amongst US-based Israelis in the lead-up to next month's election in Israel. During that time, Trump recognised Israel's sovereignty of the Golan Heights, contrary to a UN Security Council resolution. That sparked widespread condemnation from the international community, except Australia. Meanwhile, back in Tel Aviv, the Israeli police uncover further proof of corruption by Netanyahu in his dealings with the arms company that facilitated the Holocaust and the state of Egypt. As soon as this happens, a couple of rockets allegedly fall on Israel, which leads to him cutting short his US tour to come back and oversee a massive IDF bombardment of Gaza, which just so happens to counteract the argument made by his political opponents that he isn't hard enough on Palestine. It's enough to make you believe the accusations that the whole thing was a setup to take the heat off Netanyahu. You know, it's enough to make you believe it, isn't it? Seriously, folks. <coughs> you couldn't, you couldn't make this shit up. Um, and not even the stuff, you know. You, do you know Netanyahu is being attacked from the right because he's not hard enough on Palestine? You, you, you couldn't make it up. Anyway, tomorrow at 1pm at the State Library, I'll be there with the Palestinian community to mark one year since the beginning of the Great March of Return. Now, listeners may remember, last year... Um, when um, on land day, the 30th of, 30th of March, when the IDF killed 60 protesters and injured 2,700 others when these protests began. Well, the protests continue, and so does the repression. So come and show some support for a people who, in spite of everything, maintain their resistance, their pride and their dignity. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock at the State Library. 
And then after the Palestine rally, later on in the evening, there's a speak-out at 6pm at Parliament House, organised by a group of people calling themselves United for Yemen. This speak-out is to condemn the Australian government's support for the Saudi coalition attacks on Yemen, which has created the biggest man-made humanitarian disaster in recent times. Now, I'll be speaking there, and it's outside the State Parliament. I'll probably also say a few words about the Victorian government's support of the global arms industry, which is fueling this disaster. That's six o'clock at the State Library. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. It's not irrelevant, and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Sorry, I need to correct myself. I just caught myself saying that the United for Yemen um, speak-out was at the State Library at 6 o'clock. It's not, of course, it's at Parliament House. I'm so used to rallies being at the State Library that it just rolls off the tongue without me thinking about it these days. And that's why these people um, who I was talking to this week have decided to make it at Parliament House. So Parliament House, 6pm, the Speaker United for Yemen against the Australian government's complicity and support of the um, Saudi and UAE war of um, war on the people of Yemen. But back now to the US and Trump's bullshit over the Golan Heights. You know, the Golan Heights... Israel captured it from Syria in 1967 Middle East War, and they annexed it in 1981. You know, in a move at the time, the UN Security Council declared null and void and without international legal effect. Am I still here? Yes, all the lights just went off and came on in the studio, but I guess I'm still going out. The Golan Heights, um, it's a disputed area. Well, actually, it's not. It's Syrian, isn't it? And apart from its geostrategic value, it's also, you know, has heaps of that black stuff that no one seems to want to talk about when they're talking about Middle Eastern conflicts, oil. You know, it's got oil that a company called ASEC, which is partly owned by Murdoch and Dick Cheney and all, has, as far as Israel's concerned, the rights to. But again, let's just leave all that aside at the moment. Golan Heights is about 1,200 square kilometres. It runs along Israel's entire border with Syria. Israel's got over 30 illegal settlements in the area with about 20,000 to 25,000 settlers. So while Israel and Trump claim, you know, it's a move to ensure peace and stability, isn't everything, the truth is that there's not been a threat to Israel from Syria since 1973. This is a land grab both for resources and for strategic gain for the US slash Israeli interests in the ongoing war on Syria. Nothing more. What will it mean on the ground? Well, probably not a lot in the short term, much like the US Embassy moves to Jerusalem. But in the longer term, who knows? As oil production starts up, as the whole region ignites into the strangest assortment of alliances and enmities ever, you know, with the US, for example, supporting Saudi Arabia and Yemen, but Saudi opposing the US on the Golan issue, the area will end up being nothing more than a pawn to trade in the bigger chess game. 
and Australia were to EFIT. Well, our government has neither supported nor condemned Trump's statement. So I guess it's business as usual and that we support our great and powerful ally. But anyway, it's easy to understand how this helps Netanyahu. But what does Trump get out of it? You know, apart from the all rights for his mates, which really is neither here nor there, to the likes of Murdoch. Um, you know, he just invests wherever his sources tell him he's going to be profitable, and it's sort of called insider trading, if you were to do it in Australia, or even within the US. But what Trump does is he gets the ongoing support of the dispensationalist evangelical Christians. I've spoken about before on this show. They control a lot of money and a lot of votes. You know, people like Mike Pompeo, um, on a recent trip to Israel, he told the Christian Broadcasting Network that as a Christian, he thought it was possible that Trump was sent by God like the biblical Queen Esther to save the Jewish people from the Iranian menace. Yet, that was the Secretary of, the, of State of the country with the biggest military in the world, only last month, comparing Donald Trump to uh, fictional, mythical, whatever word you want to use, um, Queen uh, uh, who saved the people from the Medes, I think they were in the, in the Old Testament. But anyway, we'll talk a bit more about Israel next Friday or maybe the Friday after, either a few days before, or it might even be better to do it a few days after the election. And we'll see when we make souls available. In the meantime, though, enough. Except to mark that a couple of days ago, a Palestinian volunteer medic, Sayed Muzair, who at 18 years of age was treating an injured protester in a refugee camp in Bethlehem when he was shot in the guts by an IDF sniper. So what can we say about Israel's war crimes? Other than that they happen every day. You know, it was only, it was only yesterday they dragged two school kids out of a school um, in Bethlehem. Um, kids, I'm talking primary school. You know, it's got to the point now that I'm loath to mention individual horrors, like shooting a medic while they're treating the injured, because it, it seems to me somehow to minimise the daily atrocity. The daily atrocities that Mahmoud Abbas called the um, incremental genocide. Um, yeah, it's, um, you just don't know where to stop. Anyway, now, look, actually it's not enough. I was going to play a cart there, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. But it's not enough. It's not enough to, to, to leave Israel there. It's not enough because it's not just happening over there. You know, the Australian government has consistently backed Israel unconditionally. Um, not all the time there. There was a brief moment in time when Kevin Rudd, for all his faults, had a crack at Israel for issuing fake Australian passports to its Mossad assassins in Europe. He, Kevin Rudd, credits this as being the catalyst for the coup which dumped him in 2010. Now, Australia is involved in all sorts of ways. I've mentioned before in this program the secret agreement uncovered by Ed Snowden, which provides all raw data information collected by the NSA to the Israeli Signals Directorate, including all the information collected by Pine Gap. And yes, it specifically mentions data collected in Australia. 
So the next time you hear about the IDF or the Israeli government, or indeed Benjamin Bloody Netanyahu, using electronic intelligence to kill some 18-year-old kid to shoot him in the guts, reflect for a moment that this is being done with the full complicity and concordance because that is the term that Australian Defence Ministers, Labor and Liberal, for the last 20-odd years have used in regard to the information gathered by the United States, by the NSA and the CIA in Australia, that it's gathered and it's used with the full... Um, what's the word, concordance of the Australian government. <sighs> what, what can you say? What can you say? Of the full complicity and concordance of the people you voted for. You know, the ALP is just as gung-ho as the Tories as far as Israel goes, particularly Bill Shorten and, you know, Daniel Andrews is a much better for that matter. But then, think for a moment, not just about the governments, Israeli one and our one and Trump's one, the US one, whatever, that arrange this stuff to happen, you've got to think of the whole picture from the top down to the bottom. Think of the soldier who actually makes the kill, who takes the credit for it. What kind of sad, twisted fuck would you have to be to shoot a, shoot a medic in the guts? Or think for a moment of the people of Israel, who, after all, keep voting these folks into government and create the, you know, the evil dystopian nightmare that raises their own children to become the kind of sick and twisted runts that shoot medics in the guts. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe that sick and twisted runt was actually an Australian citizen. You know, there are dozens of them go and do their military service in Israel each and every year. You know, you don't hear, you know, you, you hear about people going over and fighting for ISIS, which is bad, which is bad, but... Um, you don't hear about the Australian citizens going over and doing things like this for the state of Israel, do you? But, you know, even if he is an Australian, and sorry, I should use the gender-neutral pronoun here, because remember, the IDF is a world leader in women's gay and transgender rights, but even if they aren't Australian, perhaps they're one of the thousands of recently demobbed IDF soldiers who descend on the beaches of Byron Bay every year for R&R after they've done their military service of shooting unarmed medics in the guts. You've got to think of the whole system. For a moment, think about the actual weapons used and the people who profit from every bullet shot into the guts of a volunteer 18-year-old medic. Think of Elbert Industries, to name one. Now, I don't know who made the gun or the bullet or the sight or anything for this particular murder. You know, arms companies, well happy to advertise their role in broad terms and somewhat reluctant to claim credit for any particular kill, but Elbert Industries, the biggest private arms company in Israel, would have been involved somewhere in that kill chain. And why mention them in particular? Because of their huge presence in Australia. You know, from their warehouse on English Street in Port Melbourne to their cyber weapons ranges in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra, to its Canberra factory where they're working on a 30mm cannon a 7.62mm machine gun and two anti-armour um, piercing missiles with a mob called Electro-Optics Systems, EOS. OK, enough on friggin' Israel. But does the name Electro-Optics Systems mean anything to you? That's the homegrown Australian companies that recently completed a half a billion dollar sale of exactly the type of equipment to the United Arab Emirates where no doubt they're being used in Yemen as part of the ongoing genocide 
of the people of Yemen. Now, genocide, come on, I can hear you saying, Jacob, don't use that word lightly, and I tell you, I guarantee you folks, I'm not using the word lightly. According to the UN, hardly a radical bunch of people. 80% of its population, of Yemen's population, of 26 million people, are in critical need of assistance. This is the biggest humanitarian crisis in recent time. Yes, Yemen, where Australian guns are being used, quite probably under the direction of an Australian mercenary, Mike Hindmarsh, an ex-Australian soldier, you know, working on behalf of the UAE, along with his other ex-Australian military mercenary mates that he's taken with him. And he's over there to kill the people of Yemen for the purpose of what? Does anyone even know what the atrocities being committed in Yemen are for anymore? Turning the southern end of the Arabian Peninsula into a weapons testing range? Keeping the Saudi government happy? Control of oil? Checking of Iran? In, you know, what I've already referred to as the chess game? Who even knows why the hell they're there anymore? I can go to tell you one thing. It's not the official um, narrative of putting these people back on the throne or taking those people out. It's about control. And we don't even really know why. Possibly there's no reason. Like so many arguments you have day to day with friends and family, you, you forget why it was even started. You're in there now and to back out equates to a loss. That's the only reason they're there. Inertia. What we do know is the Australian government's response is to repeatedly claim that it's not involved. You know, while sending Christopher Pine to South Arabia no fewer than three times in as many years to flog them Australian weapon systems. And that's what he's doing. And they won't tell us otherwise. Back in 2017, then Green Senator Scott Ludlam moved a motion to get some info on two things. Firstly, Pine's itinerary in Riyadh. And, any, and secondly, any documents relating to arms exports to Saudi Arabia in the previous 12 months. Needless to say, no info was forthcoming. And it was about a month after that, now that I think of it, that he was thrown out of the Senate for holding dual citizenship with New Zealand. Never thought of that before, and I'm not saying it was connected, but shit, it'd be a doozy of a backwash if it was, wouldn't it? Anyway, as I said, the government ignored it. They sold weapons to the UAE, the notorious remote weapon systems, which, by the way, EOS Electric Systems, received millions of dollars of the Defence Export Facilitation Budget to promote. And they continued at least trying their absolute hardest to sell weapons, similar weapons, to Saudi Arabia. And we can't prove it, we haven't got the receipts, but we know that they sold similar weapon systems to Saudi Arabia. And then the Australian government also continued playing a role in the US-led combined maritime forces in the Middle East, where the HMS Ballarat has just started, um, just taken over from Warramunga, patrolling the coast of Yemen, protecting US and Saudi assets, but, according to the Australian government, not actually playing a role in the war on Yemen. And then, of course, as with anything else, military in the Middle East, there's Pine Gap, where even their own propaganda movies these days show them doing what we've said they've been doing for years, launching attacks and drone strikes in the Middle East from, excuse me, from the offices and ray domes in Central Australia. And it is now openly acknowledged that the US could not operate in the Middle East without Pine Gap. So, good listeners, remember, 
The war on Yemen, like the war on Palestine, is not just something that happens over there. It's something that your government is participating in. It's something that the Australian people, Australian citizens, are not only fighting in, but commanding the troops in. It is something that your taxes are helping to finance, and it's something that Australian companies are making a literal killing from. And what are you doing about it? You want to do something about it? Well, get in touch. Come and see us at the Palestinian Rally tomorrow at 1 o'clock at the State Library or the United for Yemen Rally at 6 o'clock at Parliament House tomorrow. And we'll talk about what can be done. And that's about all I've got time for. But before I go, I want to mark that it's a year this week that Julian Assange has had all his communications cut. That in addition to the usual two bobbies stationed outside the Ecuadorian embassy, there are plainclothes coppers all over the corner of Basil and Street and Hans Crescent in London as we speak. Watch this space. Um, he's basically incarcerated. He's in solitary. To, you're not allowed to go and see him without all kinds of appointments and all kinds of rigmarole. You've got to leave your phones. You've got to provide your IMEI, whatever they are, numbers for any recording devices you have. He has to go through a body scan. Now, he's locked in the embassy, and yet he has to go through a body scan to come and see you in a different room in the embassy. How the hell do they justify that? Um, they don't, anyway. Look, also in closing, I guess I need to mention the fact that all the soft-left Democratic Party stooge fake news channels, be they CNN, the New York Times, the Young Turks, or even regular Philip Adams correspondent Bruce Shapiro, should all now fall on their swords for peddling the bullshit of the, that Trump was conspiring with Russia, you know, peddling that line so damn hard that now that he's been exonerated of that, they'll have a better chance. Of, he'll have a better chance of winning the next election. You know, it's uh, they didn't want to attack Trump um, for for his politics because their politics are identical. It's just like people aren't attacking Pauline Hanson for her politics. They're attacking her because she says NRMA instead of NRA. Um, you know, it's, they're, they're it's, it's ridiculous what's happening here. You know, that is why Trump is there. That, and the Democrats, you know, would prefer a warmongering psychopath just like themselves than they would any kind of um, real alternative, because after all, they serve the same interests. It's only one parties nowadays, folks, whether it's Republican or Democrat, Liberal or Labor, the distinctions have all but disappeared. And that's why you have Trump in the White House. It's also why you have Berejiklian returned in um, Macquarie Street. And it's why you've got Morrison under the hill. And why there will be no difference in any of the issues that matter globally if and when Morrison is replaced by Shorten. Sure, the attacks on working class people won't be as strident, but until we realise that replacing one grey man with another grey man or grey woman means nothing in the bigger picture, we are rooted. We're so rooted, in fact, that one black fellow yesterday morning with a didge can spark a police operation that empties the train station and sucks down the city roof, and like sheep, we comply, because we feel safe. That's all for me this week. I'm leaving you in the capable hands of the sewer show, and I will talk to you again, or talk at you by the sounds of it today, and next Friday on a Friday Rave. Remember, you can check out a Friday Rave via the 3CR website or via your usual podcast client. Take it easy, it's going to be a big week.